Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, and I am sitting here um, just shooting the breeze with a really, really cool cat, and I'm excited to introduce him to you this week. Um, before we get to that, you know, if you're in business, I think one of the not the one of them, the number one skill set that almost every business owner, small business owner, entrepreneur needs to have and oftentimes lacks is sales, sales training, sales ability, closing a deal. You know, we have a lot of like coaches, consultants, speakers that listen to the show. And it's like one of the things we always do as an entrepreneur is that you love to get into the craft of what you do. But if all you do is the craft and you can't actually get someone to pay money for you to do your craft, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. And today I want to talk about that craft of getting someone to say yes. And I don't think we do enough sales training on this show. So to, this week is very special. And I have with me uh, Lance Tyson. He's a natural born entrepreneur, self-starter. So you'll relate. He's also a massive authority in the sales world. And you're going to see why. Um, he develops influential business leaders. And he's worked with the biggest names in sports and entertainment all across the board. A ton of B2B work, business to business, including teams like the New York Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers, go 49ers, Madison Square Garden, Live Nation, Six Flags, and even Red Bull. So he's worked with the best of the best and continues doing this in all different areas. But before we get into that, Lance Tyson, are you there? And welcome to the show. I am. I really appreciate you having me on, Matt. Man, I am stoked because you've come out with a new book and I want to get to that as well. Um, but Tell me a little bit first, how in the world did you get into sales training? Were you always, were you always a sales guy as a kid? Were you like one of those kids that had like, a, you know, the Costco boxes of candy bars and you sold them for a bucket recess? Or is this something you sort of developed later in life into a career? What was the childhood Lance like? You know, uh, kind of interesting. I lived, a, I lived, in, I grew up in Kunchakin, Pennsylvania, and uh, we had this uh, small local stadium in front of, right in front of my house, I was like in a row house. And I, I don't want to paint this picture that I was this poor kid, middle-class kid. And I remember that the, you know, the candy you could sell inside the, inside the, it was called the A-Field and they were like $2 a piece. And I went down to the Acme and, and bought stuff cheaper and sold them for a dollar fifty until they kicked me out and said I wasn't allowed to do that in front of the stadium. And then to be frank, like, you know, went through college, um, dropped out my senior year had about 12 credits left because the wall was coming down and uh in germany you know the berlin wall was coming down and i i got into the import export business 
sold myself, never sold a, a darn thing as a real estate import export, but some company hired me that I was trying to sell to. And I was kind of off to the races from there, but I wasn't, um, you know, I can't say that like I was a natural born salespeople because I, I actually personally believe that salespeople are built, they're not born. I think some people have better skills than others, but I think you build salespeople at the end of the day because there's so many different skills that you need to be successful. So let's jump off of that then. So certainly there's skill sets to be built. Do you believe there's any innate personality traits or like, can someone have an aptitude for sales? Is there anything that you would look for in like, say the molding clay? If you, if I gave you 10 fresh entrepreneurs, would you say, yeah, give me that one because they have this aptitude or a personality or a character trait that would help you to build it? Are, so there's none that are necessary, but are there any that are, any that are helpful? Well, one, one thing with entrepreneurs and just kind of following you and even, even with your opening here, right? Entrepreneurs have a tendency to be better salespeople than anybody else because they're, they're typically so passionate about their product or service. They just sell with that enthusiasm. And I was talking to, I was giving a talk yesterday down in Atlanta at the National Sports Forum and a guy came up to me from, and I'm going to plug him right now. His name is Brian Thornton. He has a startup called uh, Partake. Don't know enough about it, but I do know. Hey, shout out to Brian Thornton right now. Brian, if you're listening, we love you. Yeah. And he, and he came up and he was, he was asking me the same question. And he said, my struggle is we're starting to hire salespeople. I said, well, the problem, Brian, is nobody, those salespeople aren't going to be as passionate about your product or services as you are. Would you agree? And he said, yeah. So I think, number one, from an entrepreneur, your enthusiasm, you think about the last four letters of enthusiasm or I-A-S-M. I'm sold myself, no better than an entrepreneur being sold themselves. Now, back to your question. The question was, is there something that's moldable? See, sales is two parts. It's half art and half science. So it doesn't quite make you an artist. It doesn't quite make you a scientist. You're like an architect, so nothing's built to scale. So you could say that, yeah, there are, there are folks that are just really good at people skills. They're kind of born with that. I think about my three sons. I have one that's just better with people than others. He's just, it's an instinct. But then on the other side, if you're going to be good at sales today, you got to understand the science behind it. You got to understand the science behind how you're going to control a meeting, how you're going to win a meeting, how you're going to drive to a sale. So it's half art and half science. I think if I can get somebody that's really good at process, I could probably help them get better at people skills, or at least give them a Dale Carnegie book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, so they can at least appreciate it, right? So I think it's both. And it's always a tricky question. You always get asked that. Well, it's interesting that you just said, too, is you you reiterated essentially your same stance. You said, hey, if they have some of these skills, um, I could teach them a little more about being with people. And in my mind, I haven't done anywhere near the level of sales training that you have. So in my mind, I think, no, I'd rather have someone who's this charismatic people person, and then I could teach them the process. But it really sounds like you'd rather have someone be able to follow a process and then, hey, teach them conversational skills, teach them handshakes or, you know, different elements of it. Do I have that right? Well, you know, I, th- I think ultimately I started my career in Dale Carnegie training. So I was looking at your bio. When I first got into real professional selling, I, it was the time Anthony Robbins was coming out and, and Stephen Covey. And I wanted to be those guys. So I called Anthony Robbins company up and tried to get a job there. They said, you can sell tickets to some of his events. That's what we do. Or same with Stephen Covey. And then I ended up landing at Dale Carnegie training. I suddenly realized that there's a guy out there that actually taught people 
how to win friends and influence people. And I'll tell you what, that is, that's a real person and that's a real skill. It is a real person. It's 30 techniques on dealing, dealing with people is that you should, if you're listening, you should go buy that book. I mean, I'm not Dale Carnegie didn't say you actually had to like people. He said you actually had to get along with people. He said you have to win people, win people over. Yeah. You have to win, but you first have to do that. You first have to win a friendship or, or um, a rapport with somebody before you've actually influenced. So that's true. Right. I do agree with that, but I, you can get people to realize through their life that they're going to have to deal with people. I think that can happen. I think it's hard now to find people that follow a process. I can tell you any success I've had in sales. I am about, I'm not OCD about anything. I'm not, um, I don't follow rules a lot as an entrepreneur. There's one thing I've always has been kind of a religion and business for me. It's been following the sales process. And I've been very disciplined in that. Not a lot of things in my life, but that, I think that's helped me sell or at least reduce sales cycle times or get rid of stuff that I wasn't going to sell out of the pipeline. I appreciate you bringing that up. So guys, win friends and influence people. And we've heard that book. It's October, 1936. I just looked it up. 1936 is coming up on a hundred years, not too far off, you know, 85 years old. And I certainly grew up knowing and hearing that book. That was a classic personal and professional development book. Um, but Lance Tyson says, go get the book now. And I want to pivot from that book to obviously your book as well. So you have uh, a new book that you're on a media tour doing as well. It's called Selling is an Away Game, Close Business and Compete in a Complex World. Tell me a little bit about this, the, the sports selling world. How did you land your first sports client? Were you, were you, were you a big like sports guy already? Were you into this stuff? And then you kind of fell into it as a dream? Or I, I, I wish I could say it was as much genius as I kind of planned it out and wanted to do it. I, it was your entire life's plan. Work with the Dallas Cowboys one day. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it, it was. And, and ironically enough, Dallas Cowboys are my best customer. I've become a fan of them because I'm a fan of my customers at the end of the day. So I try not to get over I, less passionate about sports now because we do business with so many teams and I try not to get caught, you know, caught up in wins and losses. Cause I got to, cause my, my team and myself, we have to go teach people how to sell. And most teams are losers at the end of the day. Most teams don't win. Right. So there's only two teams in the Super Bowl. not everybody. Right. So, you know, um, I think number one, we were, I was, I was doing some sales training in Philadelphia and was able to, have somebody connect with, with the Eagles and they were building a new stadium at the time. And they thought it was apropos to do some sales training because it was the, the Eagle Lincoln financial field is the first generation of the new stadiums. It was like one of the first ones. And then ironically enough, I had bought a business out in Cleveland and I was reading the paper one day and I'd realized the VP of sales from the Eagles, Len Komorowski went and took over as president of the Cavaliers. I sent him a book. Um, I think I sent him the book, Good to Great, and said, hey, good luck in your new endeavors. He called me up. He said, what are you doing? Are you in Cleveland? And I said, I am. He goes, well, you know I am. And he invited me down. And I met with his two senior um, VPs. One was a guy named Kerry Bulbulls. He's currently the president of Vegas Golden Knights. Another guy's Chad Estes. He was VP of ticket sales. He is the highest non-Jones at the um, Dallas Cowboys. So he's essentially not a family member, but he's one of the highest folks there. And those guys just kind of carried me along with them. And then people we trained went to other teams as they came up through the ranks. And, you know, now we have these longstanding relationships. And, and I would like to say that, you know, in, in the pro sports space, we compete. We don't, we don't only do things in pro sports, but it's, it's always sexy to talk about, right? It's always sexy to talk about. So you really, 
Like, I, I want to break this down for a second. You, was it the new president you said of the Cavs? Yeah, yeah, he's still there. So the new president um, gets promoted or hired. You send him a copy of your book? No, the, actually, um, Jim Collins. You sent him someone else's book. Yeah. Um, I think the, this is brilliant. Good to, good to great. Good to great. Oh, good to great, yeah. And it's a little, I'll tell you what the notes said inside of it. It said, hopefully some of the ideas in this book help you like they help me. Let's Let's sit down for a cup of coffee. That's the other thing, too, that a lot of people... We get too formal today. One of the tactics that still work is let's sit down for a cup of coffee. Let's sit down over a cup of coffee. Not everybody likes coffee, but everybody knows where Starbucks is, right? I really like that too. You know, like I just hired a new CPA a week ago and I was shocked because that's what they, you know, I'm, I'm used to people saying, well, here's my office and schedule my appointment. Here's my automated link. And he was like, yeah, I can, you know, when I head out of the office, I'll, you know, I can meet you somewhere near your house. And I'm like, but this is a guy who's very, very professional. And I thought, oh, this is incredible. And we sat down and had a cup of coffee and the guy freaking closed me. <laughs> and it's all, Matt, it's all, it's all toned down, right? Like everybody's relaxed. They're not, oh, yeah. not in pitch mode. You're just having a cup of coffee, a soda, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? But that, you know, that tends to work. Well, and one more thing on this book thing, because I, I think that's absolutely genius. And I've had the idea, a few different ideas of, you know, getting a book to somebody, getting a note to somebody. Have you had success in this outside of the calves? Like that's a huge win, obviously. And that start, in a way, it starts your, your career on that side of things. No doubt. Strategy that you've done over and over in different times with your book or other people's books, will you send it off to a founder with a note that says, hey, man, good luck. And then do they call you back? Tell me a little bit about some of your, you know, the prospecting strategies. We call it shock and awe, right? Yes. So, so I'm going to get- Shock and awe box. I'm, I'm not going to give you all. Yeah, it's a shock and awe. So here's what you do. All right. We, my salespeople, I have, I have four salespeople on staff. What we'll do is on a Thursday, we'll send a copy of, we've sent other books too. We've sent How to Win Friends. We sent all kinds of books. Currently, my sales team's using mine. Send a note, a handwritten note in there, or excuse me, we do it on Amazon now, and we gift the book to them and we send the note there. And we're doing my book that way just to kind of, you know, help, help the sales of the book. And we'll send it over. So hopefully some of the, some of the ideas in here help, help you out. Next day on Friday, We'll leave a voicemail. The reason you send it on 30 Thursday is because you want two of those touches to hit. Okay. And then on Monday, we'll follow up with an email, a little bit about what we know about their organization and a little bit about us. And then on what we do on Tuesday, then I'll have my salespeople send a Starbucks card or a Panera card and say, hopefully you can take some time on us to read some of the concepts in the book and some of the stuff we sent over. And then Thursday, so, so the, by the time you hit Tuesday. It's dialed in. So Thursday, Amazon, you gift them the book. Yep. And Friday. I love that. I think that's one of the smartest strategies in the world because I'm guessing if you send it as a gift, who doesn't open an Amazon Prime box? Oh, heck yeah, right? And, you're, and you're, when you get that, you know it's Christmas. Done deal, right? And then you're, and then, but it's not this over assertive move. And a lot of, a lot of marketers will sit there and go, oh, is that too many touches and too short of a time? But at the end of the day, I'm a salesperson. I'm not a marketer. Like marketers are marketers. Salespeople are salespeople. We have That's to convince so good. individuals, right? And marketers are more coming, coming at the, the macro end. I'm at the micro end. I got to convince you like your CPA did to buy from me. And, you know, think about this, Matt, and everybody listening. If you're listening to this, look up, look up the best sales book you'll ever read is Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss, right? <laughs> and if, you go, if you go into the book. So true. It is a great book, right? If you look it up, you'll find that, that, that 
they dealt with the objection of green eggs and ham 73 times. And then I, and I asked this group yesterday, I was speaking to, I said, well, what was the first objection? I actually have them Googled in the room. I'll say, what's the first objection? And somebody says, well, I don't like green eggs and ham. I'm like, no, that's not the first objection. The first two objections were, I don't like that Sam I am. The first objections were objections of the salesperson. And it goes back to what you said earlier. It's, it's literally, you got to win yourself over first. That's what sales is. I, I got to be credible as a salesperson. I have to have rapport. And you know what the other word, word that people really screw up? They, they screw up the word. Everybody says it's all relationships. It's not relationships. Relationships are outcomes. You're, the, the move for a salesperson, something they can do is they build rapport, right? It's rapport and credibility and understanding that really drives it. Your relationship will come over time. So it's not about relationship selling. That's the wrong filter at the end of the day. It's, it's your ability to build rapport. That's the move because you can actually, rapport is actionable. So think about that. So don't build a relationship, build rapport. And I, yeah, I, and I understand you're not saying don't have a relationship, but don't look to start a relationship. Look to start in rapport. That's brilliant. Right? Well, th- and, and sometimes, the thing about this, sometimes the word relationship doesn't have a great connotation. Those two people had relations. Sometimes that's not a great thing either. Oh, I remember uh, that, yeah, that impeachment. So, yeah, yeah. So I did not have rapport with that woman. You can say that. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that might be different. With the person in question, I did not have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me finish this idea though. Yeah. So Amazon gift on Thursday, your book or someone else's book? Do you see any difference in whether it's your book or someone else's book? Do you have advice on what to do? We've done both. I would say. How does that split test go? Yeah, I would say, I would say right now, I, I, the results are very similar because bottom line is, if you're listening, if you're going to get contact with somebody today, Every single stat tells us, I don't care if you're pulling it from Salesforce, I don't care if you're pulling it from InsideSales.com, every single stat says it takes six to eight touches to get contact with the target. And then it's going to take you six to eight, you're going to have to talk to about six to eight targets to win an appointment. Because your, first, your, your hardest thing for anybody listening to do is to sell time. That's your, it's not your product, it's sell time. And That's right, think, it's getting that cup of coffee, it's getting it the is. phone call. That's the hardest sale. Well, it is. Well, think about the two most expensive pieces of jewelry are a watch and a ring, right? And what do they both represent? Time and commitment. Wow. So that's good. So bottom line is like, you're going to have to get that out there. Now, going back to your question book, like we're using our book right now, but I can't tell I don't think we're getting any better results when we use somebody else's. I think it's the act of doing it. I think the also, hey, I'm not going to go away. I'm pretty persistent. Now we have certain language we use inside the emails and stuff like that and the shock and all. And, um, but at the end of the day, I've done both and, or my, and my team's done both. So either, or if it's a hot book out there, you know, we've sent Dr. Seuss books. We said, Oh, the places you'll go, how to win friends, good to great. Um, you name it. So really, really good. And I think back to, you know, one of the first books I ever received as a gift was Think and Grow Rich. And it was actually from, it wasn't from a prospect or someone like that. It was from my first boss, Ed Sweeney. And when I got the mortgage business when I'm 18 and he wrote, he gave me this book and he wrote a note saying, you know, Matthew, good luck. And I'm excited on this journey. And like, I kept that for, I still have it. Yep. And, And, you know, I look back and go, gosh, like a gift of a book can be a really, really big deal. So let, let's move into a little bit of um, kind of the sales cycle time. I, I'm fascinated by the business to business approach versus the business to consumer approach. Um, so a lot, like most of my sales life, in fact, all my sales life, except for 
probably half of 1% has been B to C. Whether it was in the real estate business, the mortgage business, the coaching business, the consulting business. I, you know, I've picked up a few B2B, but almost every time. No, no, let's be honest. Every time it's been through referral. I've mm-hmm. never picked up a cold B2B client. Can you talk a little bit about, number one, the difference between the two? I know there's a difference in prospect cycle and sales cycle, but how to really close a B2B client? Because I think a lot of us, you know, uh, business owners, there's a product out there that we may very well be able to offer to a business at a much, much higher price point. Um, and it would be really exciting, you know, but how, but it's like this, this mountain of how do I cross that mountain? And I guess maybe the first question is, should you consider that and when, and talk to me a little bit about the difference between the two. Well, I mean, so, so think about, first of all, think of B2B more kind of like the game shoots and ladders. I hate that game. I know. Right. So, <laughs> and and you're, there's a lot of shoots. There's a lot of ladders you're going to have to go through. So immediately what happens is there's more doors. Okay. Now, ironically enough, and a lot of people aren't going to believe this, they'll probably want to debate me if they hear it. The sales process is the same. It's the timeframes that are different and the amount of doors you have to go through. But, but I want you to think about this. A sale is a series of yeses. Yes, I'll talk to you. Yes, you can ask me questions. Yes, you can present me your idea. Yes, you resolve my objections. Yes or no, I'll buy or, buy or not. B2B and B2C is, is, is that's both. Okay. It's just, if I'm selling a mortgage, right. Or I'm selling residential real estate, I'm going to probably go through that process in a quicker fashion. All right. And probably one time with one decision maker. Exactly. And our customers do B2B to B2C. Now, by the way, it's easier to train a salesperson that's good at B2B to go to B2C than it is a B2C salesperson to go to B2B. So we can see that. So, so we actually encourage teaching B2B first, especially in a lot of sports organizations, people have to do both. Now, the, the, other, the other big thing that's going on is, you know, selling's an away game because it happens in the mind of the buyer. At the end of the day, right now, you're going to have to trigger to find out why somebody would want to meet with you. So like if you were getting a referral, and by the way, if you're listening to this, Matt's right. The best thing you can do is ask for referrals, but you got to ask for referrals. Like it is, it is the clearest, finest, best way to get any business is, is to ask for a referral. The problem is referrals are incredibly inconsistent. And the second thing is most people don't know how to ask for a referral. So, so the problem with that is you don't ask for one referral, you ask for three. How many, can you think of three or four people that meet this criteria? But you got to start asking for referrals. And almost treating refer, asking for referrals like a sale. Now that you've yes. closed the client and you're providing for the client, you're trying to sell them on, just like you tried to sell them to, to talk to you, sell them on, give me a referral. So ask for multiple referrals. I love that. I remember, yes. you know, the time I saw that the most was, are you familiar with Cutco Knives? Yeah. I, gotta, yeah. I was going to tell a story about that, but go ahead. No, no. Well, okay. So I think they've heard my story once. Maybe if you listen to any of the back episodes, they're all free, by the way, no paywall or anything, 200 episodes. Um, tell me your Cutco story. That'd be great. No, I, that one of my biggest drivers in sales, I went to a Cutco meeting. You know how they have those big meetings where they invite people they used to advertise in a paper, they invite people they want to sell. Well, I was so excited about it. I, what happened to me is like, I'm, in, I'm totally into it. I was asking questions and stuff. And so, I don't know if this was in the area that I was in because it was in Philadelphia when I was younger. I was one of the people they asked to leave the room. They 
they said I don't, I didn't fit the profile. I was freaking devastated. Oh no. This was like in college, I was devastated. And actually I went out and sold rainbow vacuum cleaners for two years because I was so pissed off. They kicked me out of the Cutco room. I couldn't understand why. And I, somebody told me like, Hey, I think they thought you were a little too smart for it or trying to tried to ace him a little bit. I was like, no, I was into the damn knife. I thought it was a great knife. Right. So it's yeah, so almost like you would ask too many questions. Yeah. And yeah. Yep. Sorry to mean to interrupt, but no, that's brilliant. So, so my Cutco guy, I remember this is the first time I ever remember because I'd asked for one referral or I'd asked for three referrals, but he asked me for 10 freaking referrals nice. and he had a piece of paper with numbers one through 10 on it. And he said, well, thank you so much. And listen, do you know a few people? Right. <laughs> that, you know, would love to see something like this, however he said it, but he turned the paper to me and I was like, and I remember thinking, look, I ain't giving you 10 people, but I thought, well, and I gave him three referrals that I didn't want to give him. <laughs> and then my friend and my sister are all like, hey, how come you got the Cutco guy calling me? And then they all bought the scissors that cut the penny anyway. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Uh, as we wind down here, you know, again, we're, we're, I'm talking with, um, uh, with Lance Tyson here, uh, author of the new book, Selling is an Away Game, Close Business and Compete in a Complex World. And you've done so B2B, B2C in the sports and entertainment and every kind of business in between. Last kind of question I want to have, and I know you talk in your book, a chapter about developing talent. Um, one of the things I've struggled with over the years is, as you said in the beginning, finding a salesperson who's as passionate as I am. It's not going to happen but I do want to replicate myself in the sense. I don't want to be the only salesperson forever in my organization. Do you have any tips about developing talent inside your own organization? Yeah, you know, and we're, I have a meeting in a couple hours with my youngest person on staff and we, we kind of follow Moneyball concept a little bit. Um, we've always been as an organization just bold and, and always wanting to hire very young talent. And we recruit the heck out of them. I don't, I, I look personally, I've trained probably in the last year, 2,500 uh, to, to 3,000 millennials and Gen Zers. I would not believe the hype on them. I think they're competitive. I think they're. What's the hype? The hype is, you know, they're all kumbaya and they want to hold hands and they need to know the rules and they're, they're, they want to be paid a lot for doing nothing. Like I wouldn't believe any of that stuff. I think it's garbage. I play Fortnite with my sons. Um, hockey team and they're all 23 year olds, 24, you know, 22, 23 year olds. They're competitive. They talk smack. You need that in sales. This group of people love to take pictures of themselves. They're somewhat narcissists that, which makes sometimes great salespeople. Right. So I would, I would hire young and I'm, and, and I'm in the training industry. I, I'm into developing people. It's what we do as a company and we hire them young, we hire them for attitude and then we just develop them over time. And we've learned over time, we hire three, you keep one for a long period of time. My youngest, my youngest personal staff is 23 years old. She just got married, or 24 years old. She just got married. She's been with us since she's left college. And now she's one of my key managers. And I, I'm just big on that. You don't have to, I, I, I think sometimes when you overhire for experience, you look for that person that's perfect. You're, you're getting some baggage there. I'd rather develop people into my culture. So that's, that's just where my head always is. Hire for attitude, develop for culture. I really, really love that. Right. Uh, final questions as, as we get moving here. Uh, Lance, with all the experience you've had and how long you've been doing this sales game and the entire business, if you could change anything in your past, what would you change or would you leave it all the same? I talked to my, um, my, my, I was just texting my wife and I was just, she um, ran over to the office, my Yeti microphone that I'm on right now. And I, I thanked her. I told her, I said, I appreciate you um, 
always have my back with stuff like that and dealing with my disorganization. And there's two philosophies of people. I think my wife is opposite me um, on some things where usually as an entrepreneur or, or some people, my style is I give all the trust right away and give somebody so much trust and then they have to work their way out of it. My wife's a little bit different and she gives, she, she makes you build the trust. I would, I would temper probably my style a little bit because I've been burned big, not because people are bad, because people make bad decisions. I'd probably lean to her style a little bit more because I'll tell you, when it's come to some people over the years being a business, she's been right more often than, than I have with, with reading people. And I think it has a lot to do with over giving trust. I'm over trusting sometimes in business and it's burned me. And if I had that to do over, not a lot, just with some of those folks, you know, it hurts. Loyalty hurts sometimes or the lack of loyalty hurts. That, that'd be my advice. So you might be a little more discerning with how long and what type of trust you issue to people. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably instead of piling it all on, maybe let them build it up a little bit, maybe not extreme to her style and somewhere in the middle. I think I would be, you know, a lot of heartache there. You know how that goes. So, you know, bad decisions sometimes and, and bad business decisions, but we survived. We're good. Well, you certainly survive and you've been thriving. Uh, Lance Tyson, you're amazing. Thank you for coming on the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that's our show this week with Lance Tyson. Hey, make sure you follow Lance. You can follow him on LinkedIn at Lance Tyson and Twitter as well, Lance Tyson. And check out the website, tysongroup.com. Um, it's really cool. So I'm actually on his, on his website right now. He's got you know the books available, selling is an away game. You can get it. We have an Amazon link down below in the show notes if you're watching, listening to this on demand. If you're driving your car, if you're on the radio, hey, head over to tysongroup.com or go to Amazon and search for uh, Lance Tyson and you'll find his book. Pretty incredible stuff. And you'll see all these amazing sports teams and, and uh, companies he's worked with. Uh, Lance is the man and I thank him for coming on the show. That's it this week. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review and head over to the on-demand platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, I heart all those places. And if you're listening to this live, you can always get all of our back episodes, every single one, almost 200 episodes now, all free. Uh, there's some really, really good ones in there. So make sure you check it out. I'll see you next week. Get out there as usual and crush it. Hey.